podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, coolies. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Galia Quiroga, here in Gijón, Spain. I'm actually on vacation, on location here in Gijón for the week. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Barca's first match over the weekend against Atape as we want to dive into Barca's attitude against overtly physical teams, the refs in La Liga, and Barca's possession. We get into these topics after this short break. Are you tired of hackers and cyber criminals snooping around your online activities? Do you want to safely access your favorite shows and content from anywhere in the world? Then you need NordVPN, the best VPN on the market. And the good news is that there's an exclusive birthday deal just for you. Buy NordVPN now and win extra subscription time. With NordVPN, you can protect your online activity and keep your private information away from prying eyes. And if you're traveling abroad, don't worry. Connect to a NordVPN server in your home country and safely enjoy content as if you never left. So what are you waiting for? Visit nordvpn.com Barca now to get this special birthday deal. Shield your data from snoops and criminals with NordVPN's state-of-the-art encryption. Safely listen to podcasts, stream shows, or simply browse in complete privacy. Again, visit nordvpn.com Barca. The link is in the show notes. Get NordVPN now and enjoy a safe and private online experience. All right, as I mentioned, I'm here currently in Gijón. I'm going to be riding solo this week and, yeah, just enjoying a little time away from hot, hot Madrid. It is beautiful here in the north. I've been here for about five days or so and really enjoying the countryside slash uh, north of Spain, which has been really nice. And on Sunday, I was able to watch the FC Barcelona versus Hitafe match as it kicked off La Liga 2023-24. And again, uh, mixed results, mixed. Again, we don't want to overreact. It's only the first game of the season. We know how things pan out. But, you know, there was a lot of things that we can talk about. And, I, you know, when watching the match, one of the first things, now that I had some days to to think about, you know, the result and read all the post-analysis and so forth, I mean, the one thing that still continues to surprise me, especially as of late, is playing Hitafe is ugly. It's one of the worst matches to watch, especially as a Kool-Aid, because one of the reasons we are Kool-Aids is we love watching the art of this football that we call FC Barcelona. And when we play these type of teams that do not have the talent like Barcelona, they have to use everything in their tool bag to keep the match close. And I understand that. I completely understand that. I'm not here to persecute Bordas or Getafe because that's what you have to do to survive in La Liga as a team like Getafe, where you don't have the resources. You have to come up with a style that's going to keep you in a lot of games. And it's just not fun to watch. But I want to talk more about our attitude, the things that we can control. Because, you know, when we play against Hitafe, we always have this idea that we're going to win 6-1 to one because Hitafe is not as talented as us. But again, you know, Hitafe continually, especially at the Coliseum there in the south of Madrid, is such a tough place for us to play. Not only does Hitafe 
foul a lot as we as they did over the weekend but they also parked the bus and we are unable to find solutions and so my question for this right off the bat is you know we know you know as fans how Hitafe is going to play and i also feel that Chavi still is really stubborn sometimes about the talent and the disparity the talent disparity of barcelona to other teams and we just don't have that talent disparity as we used to, especially post Messi. Now the team is still talented. I'm not saying Messi Barcelona is not talented, but it's not as easy as it once was. You know, remember I said last season, think about how many easy matches there have been. There haven't been many. Think about how many times we've celebrated a goal fest. There hasn't been many. Everything's been very difficult and hard to get through. And again, this is one of the issues that I have with Chavi, especially, you know, knowing the opponent. And, you know, one thing was brought up in our WhatsApp group was maybe we should have gotten three back and flooded the midfield even more to counteract the 4-5-1 that Hitafe was in. Again, I want to see some new ideas, some different things. You know, when we talk about Hitafe, we know that they're going to push the line. They're going to foul so much that the ref cannot call everything. And that is a tactic that Borlas has instilled into Hitafe, and you have to give him credit. You have to give him credit because I would do the same thing. If I were coaching Hitafe with the team that they have, the talent that they have, I would definitely, you know, have them lined up in such a defensive prowess and pushing that line physically because, unfortunately, Barcelona do have the moniker of being soft. And that is you know, unfortunately, continues to ride because as we saw Barcelona try to out figure out what they could do to get through this blockade, a lot of the times they were complaining. And again, I'm I'm not trying to say that it's Barcelona's fault at all. I understand there were a lot of fouls and a lot of dangerous fouls. But at the same time, we have to figure out different things to get through that. Not every match is going to be smooth, you know. And already from the beginning of the season, we're seeing the first match a tough fixture away and we're unable to find any type of rhythm. And more importantly, we weren't just set up for success from the beginning because before Rafinha's uh, red card, could you honestly say that there was any flow to our attack or offense? No, of course not. We had a couple shots on goal, but they were very flimsy. They weren't very strong opportunities. So again, I'm not trying to say I'm a Hitafe fan at all. I'm just saying I respect what they do. And teams that have a certain style, just like we have a certain style and identity, and we keep that, it's always going to be this type of tactical chess match, right? And unfortunately, Hitafe got the best of us in this first league match. Now, I would say the results were pretty predictable because we haven't, we still haven't seen the flow between Lewandowski and Rafinha. And I, it's still alarming to me because now we are post 30 games together, you know, 20 games that these two have been playing together. And they still don't have that rhythm and jive that I want to see from a partnership that is supposed to be super important in our tag. Now, let's get into the refs. Now, this is something here that, you know, I want to briefly touch on. The first thing is there is no conspiracy against barcelona and the refs okay you got to take that out now is the refing awful here in la liga yes it's completely awful 
uh, I don't even understand what is going on with the refs. We continually see this idea with the VAR officials not giving support to the refs. And to me, that drives me crazy because that's what they're there for. They're there to be the eye in the sky for the referee if he misses something. Now, especially in a match like this, there was plenty of opportunities where the eye in the sky could have interjected and helped the ref out. To me, it's, it's, it's crazy that these refs do not have the support and the resources to make proper calls. Now, when I mean resources, obviously they have all the line technology and so forth. I'm talking about post-game and pre-game and support from La Liga to set a precedent. One of the things that's been driving me crazy too is seeing Xavi lose his mind on these refs. And it's quite interesting because I don't ever recall him ever blowing up like this as a player. As a player, he was always very calm. Him and Puyol always, you know, respectfully, for the most part, talking to the referees and being proper captains. And so seeing him act very childish on the sidelines, especially against the fourth line referee, to me is something that needs to change. How many times have you ever seen a coach yell a referee and get a line turned? Never. Now, I understand there's an art to manipulating the ref by continually telling them to look out for things and so forth. I get that. I understand that, especially, for example, in NBA, you know, you have coaches that are constantly, you know, cajoling and talking to the refs to try to look out for things. But in football, it doesn't really happen as often. It doesn't happen as often. Now, I really need to see Chavi get better control of the situation. He got a red card in this. It's, I mean, obviously it's not the, the best look, especially in the first game of the season. Like, yes, there's a lot of fouls, but let's, let's be smart about this, right? You are, you, there's no excuse for his behavior, okay? He's a, he's a world-class player, so he has plenty of experience in big-time games and different types of matches and how to deal with refs. And I just feel he's a completely different persona as a manager. Now, some Kool-Aids could say, yeah, he should be fighting for the team, and that's, a, that's just not what I want in a manager. I think there are specific lines that you can follow of being respectful to the refs. And I think this is also just a, a precedence between refs and managers as a whole that needs to kind of stop, right? I think, I think from now on, I think there should be if I were if I were Tebas and trying to help the refs, I would say from now on, if there's any touching of ref by a player or a manager, it's a direct yellow. And hopefully that'll start to have a little bit more respect because how many times do you see players yelling at referees and getting in their face and so forth? There's like no respect in that sense. I think that needs to change. So that would be the first thing I would try to implement is a direct yellow for any type of confrontation. And the ref has to really utilize that because that's the way it's going to help change the perception or help establish a better line of respect between the players and coaches. As we always say, we always want to be look as a reference with rugby of how the rugby referees respectfully talk to the players and the coaches to make their decisions. This is my second thing. I think this needs to happen is have a live microphone, you know, when the co- when the referee is making the VAR decisions as they do, but also talking live to the players. I think that would also help to understand what maybe the ref is thinking, but also to hopefully put a little bit more respect between the players and the ref because 
Now, if there's a hot mic, the players can't be saying obscenities and they can't be saying anything to that nature. The other thing too, the refs need to be available for post game press conferences. This has to happen. The refs are continually critiqued for the decision-making and we need answers. I don't think it's out of the possibility for reporters to ask referee five to seven questions about the match and their decision-making because all we want to know is understand what they're thinking. This idea that they don't have this accountability to me further divides the trust in referees. And I've heard in other podcasts, like, you know, we as, you know, as fans watching the match, we always think it's an easy call. I know refereeing is very difficult and it has to be a collaboration between the league, the players and the managers to come up with this, to, to get better refereeing in La Liga. You know, as we talk about La Liga as a whole has been suffering in the last two years with image problems, corruption, uh, scandals, um, allegations, all this stuff with refereeing, especially with when it comes to Barca. And the only way that people are going to have confidence and not trying to always see this, you know, Blaugrana against uh, White of Madrid type of you know precedent with, with different referees and so forth is to have more accountability for the referees. That is that has got to be vital. And hopefully with some of these new little minor changes that I've suggested, it would help to have the game better manage. You know, I we saw over the weekend, for example, with the Manchester United Wolverhampton match that a referee missed a call. And all of a sudden those referees are not going to be allowed to ref in the next matches. And those are the type of actions you need to do to help make the refereeing more accountable and better because we want to see better refereeing. You know, we don't we we're we're watching La Liga, we're watching these high-end players world-class players. And the last thing you want to see is, you know, what we saw over the weekend where Gundogan gets hit in the nuts and no one says anything, you know, you know, there are very easy calls where VAR can intervene and help and it doesn't. And to me, it's just, I don't understand. We're not trying to, to overturn what the main ref is there for, but to collaborate and help and be an eye of the sky. Like I don't, I just don't understand it. So anyway, I just hope, you know, uh, La Liga does something with the refereeing to make it stronger. But again, I need, you know, Tebas and the way they think we know there's going to be no solution because they love having this polemica uh, in Spanish culture, talking about the refereeing and this idea with the teams. It helps bring gossip and it helps bring ratings because people love talking about it. So who knows what's going to happen. But again, uh, just wanted to talk about that now. The last thing I have here highlighted is the possession. Now, in the match, Barcelona had 75% possession, of course. Like, that was, <laughs> if I were a betting man, you'd tell me, is Barcelona going to have 70% possession in the match? I would say yes, yeah, definitely. And it brought to fruition, 75%. Okay. We cannot string attacks like we used to through the possession game. Now, I understand the philosophy of having possession being our best defense. Sure, I get that. So 75% of the time we have the ball, they don't have the ball, they're not scoring. Great. I'm all on board. Let's do this, right? I'm, I understand the philosophy. I fully believe it. But I honestly think there has to be 
a new wrinkle in the way we do things. And that wrinkle is we need to exploit every counterattack we have. When we are on a counterattack, we are fast, we improvise, we look the most dangerous because then the defense can't be set. We use our outstanding speed on the flanks and Lewandowski's there in the middle to hopefully create more chaos. Now, what I don't want to see is standing around, possessing, trying to make something happen when nothing is happening. How many times in Hitafi's attacking third did we just pass backwards and there's no movement up front? That's one of the things that, that drives me crazy is, you know, when, when I played, I always was moving up front to the left, to the right with conjunction with my other forwards. You know, you're trying to find holes. You're trying to find alleys. You're trying to find any type of mistake that defense is going to do, maybe on an overlap or something where that opens that gap for you. Right. And at this level, you know, that is something that is instilled in this DNA of Barca is this movement and go. Right. And, what I'm not seeing, especially from Lewandowski, how many times do you ever see him make room for other people when we're possessing? It's so static. And to me, okay, I understand. Like I said, 75% means they don't have the ball. Gotcha. Check. I'm on. But however, we really need to use our counters more effectively. I count, you know, I remember in a span there was three counters I saw, and we just slowed, slowed it down. That to me cannot happen especially um, with Balde driving the, the attack and Frankie de Jong driving that attack. We need to use those opportunities to try to get better quality shots on goal. Now, we have 14 total shots and four on goal, but, I mean, really, were they really that great chances? I mean, sure, maybe one. I remember one of them was created a save, but other than that, there was it was very lackluster. And so this is going to be an issue because – we are seeing Lewandowski struggle. And, you know, it's one thing as a forward to struggle, get shots off and not scoring, but then the struggle when you're not even looking world-class or that you're even involved in the match. And that's what Lewandowski looked like, especially Rafinha as well. You know, I'm, I'm nervous Let's just put it that I'm not overreacting. I'm just nervous about Lewandowski because one thing we cannot have from Lewandowski is him not being a threat most times than not. And the other thing too, uh, let's sit him. You know, there has to be accountability too, even with him. I mean, he's not Lewandowski at 28, you know, where you automatically put him in the starting 11 every time. If he is not scoring and we are not getting clear chances, we have to change something. We have to look at something. Now, I'm not pushing that alarm yet, yet. But again, I need to see some more action from Lewandowski. He still looks confused. He still looks slow. He doesn't look like he's reactionary. And he always looks like he's thinking too much, you know? We, you know, when I think of Lewandowski, especially in his Bayern days, you just thought about how active he was, how he took advantages all the time to convert those goals and, and just was a menace in the box. And I just don't see that. And maybe it's because of the lineup of the way, you know, I mean, he was all by himself in Bayern. So I don't understand, you know, it shouldn't be anything new for him. He didn't have a, a strict partnership as a forward where you could say, yeah, you know, in Bayern, he had a pairing. And so, okay. Yeah. 
I mean, in Bayern, he played as a solo striker up there. So that's not really that much a difference. The thing which I do not like seeing him is seeing him trying to be a number 10. I mean, that to me is a waste of his energy. So again, I'm not pushing the alarm bell, but I'm definitely nervous. And I'm hopefully he'll break out of this slumber because, you know, if Lewandowski can't get to 14 goals or is struggling, you know, that's really going to put a lot of pressure on the rest of the team. Now, obviously, we have Victor Roque coming in the winter time, but again, that's going to be so much pressure for that kid to come in and try to deliver goals right off the bat. So we need to see something. And, I, and again, as we've talked about in the preseason, our defense is really solid. Our midfield is what you know the jewel of the team, obviously, with the depth and the way they are able to manage the, the game with their possession. But again, we need to figure something out in the attacking third. I'm still have my reservations with Rafinha. I still think he's immature. We saw it in this match where he gets the red card. And obviously, yes, he was fouled and he, you know, could, uh, you understand why he did it. But again, you got to be smart. Like you, you need to be in the match. Like that just has to happen. You know, uh, once he leaves the match, we're a man down. And all of a sudden that's even easier for Hitafe to defend. So, so those are kind of my initial thoughts with this first match. I'm hoping that we will see some adjustments. Uh, you know, again, the team never seems to surprise us um, because we just got word today that Alemani is leaving after the transfer window. And again, I, to me, I think Alemani was the perfect person that we need right now because from my point of view, what I've seen in the signings that we've done, we've been really effective, uh, smart. Uh, we haven't overspent for a quote-unquote star. And I really don't have that much confidence in Deco right off the bat. I mean, again, I I sometimes wonder or, you know, definitely think about Laporte's decision-making at the top level. You know, he's always looking to make splashes and do these type of things. Now, you know, you can't argue with what he's done, but man, he... You know, the thing with the board is we always have this inter-turmoil for power and respect. And, you know, you know, Alemani was in, then he was out, then he was back in, and now he's out. So we'll see what happens. Last thing I want to finish the show with is just talk about Romeo. Uh, I think he's been a great find. I'm excited to see him play the rest of the season in the Busquets roles. As you can see, he's a, he's a much more mobile Midfielder there, obviously, what Busquets brought as well was his passing ability, which obviously Romeo doesn't have that complete talent. But as you can see, Romeo does cover a lot of ground, so that's definitely going to help us in more important matches. So good find on Romeo. Like I, I, you can already say he's he's a starting eleven, and you're not worried about him, you know. Where maybe as we saw last season when we put Kessie in at the beginning, we were like, mm, oh man, I'm not sure. I can see some some potential, but I'm not quite sure. And where you see the opposite right here, where Romeo is like already plug and play. I mean, he just seems, he knows his positioning. Xavi has confidence in him and he should be uh, an important player for us for this season defensively, for sure. So Barcelona play Cadiz this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a night match, first match in Montjuic. So we'll see how that Translates on TV. I'm interested to see how the fans show up. It's the obviously the 
first home match for Barcelona. So we'll see uh, what the percentage of tourists to non-tourists is because we all know at the Camp Nou it was quite a lot of tourists that would come to the games. You know, Montjuic, it's not the easiest to get to. It's, you know, it's they were doing a whole uh, newscast on how difficult it is to get to Montjuic as, as opposed to the Camp Nou. But, you know, for me, I thought, I think Montjuic is easier, especially if you're in the center, but that's just me. Uh, again, we're going to see what this looks like. And, yeah, we're going to need to get those three points because, as we know, uh, you know, Madrid has been dealt with some major injuries with Militao and Courtois. And as I predicted in the pre-over-unders, uh, I thought that Madrid were going to have a hard time scoring. So uh, they obviously won 2 nothing, and they got their three points. So we can't let them, you know, we, we got to keep pace. So... This is really going to be an important match, even though it's only Cadiz. And I want to, I, like I said, I need to see something from Lewandowski. I need to see a little bit more fire. I think he's been too calm. And we need to see, just take it, like I said, I want to see us take advantage of those counters every time. If I were in the film room with Xavi, I'd be like, you know, the data shows that when we are on counters, yes, we may lose the possession. However, those are our best chances to score. So I'm curious to see if ever, if we will take advantage of those. The next episode will be next week with Remy as he dissects the Cadiz match. Until next time, Forza Barça. Sports Social Podcast Network.